Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. This week we are joined by Gail Madalena. Gail, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So as always, we let the guests do their own introduction because they do a better job than we could ever do. So Gail, feel free to introduce yourself. Yeah. So my name's Gail Madalena. I am a registered nutritional therapist and I specialize in all things female health and fertility. And I guess my approach to things is very naturopathic. I look at people as an individual and try and really get to the root cause of any underlying symptoms, whether that's hormonal symptoms or uh, struggling to conceive. Um, Yeah, we work together making bespoke plans and yeah, hopefully get to the bottom of anything that's causing them issues. Beauty. How long have you been doing this for? Um, I have been qualified for about two years now, so still fairly new. I did a three-year qualification from the College of Naturopathic Medicine, and I also did a year-long mentorship specifically around women's health and fertility. Awesome. And why did you go down that route? If you only been doing two years, one, what were you doing before that? And two, what made you change and take an interest in what you do now? So my background is originally I did a fashion degree and then when I was qualified, I went into PR and marketing side of things um, and it was very much fashion based. I worked at Next, Zara, you know, some of the big retail high street brands. And I've always been super into health and fitness. When I was younger, I used to be a semi-professional ice skater. So fitness has kind of been ingrained in me from a very early age. And it's always been something I've been very passionate about. And I guess I kind of lost my mojo a little bit with the fitness, um, the fashion industry. And I was struggling with kind of IBS gut issues at the time. And I I just got really interested in self-study and self-education. And I thought, you know, I actually love this. I want to learn more. So I kind of made the decision to, to dedicate three years of my time studying. And I did that alongside a full-time job and have never really looked back since. I moved over from fashion into fitness and I worked at Third Space, still in marketing and PR. And then, yeah, eventually qualified. And here I am today. That's awesome. We're also joined by this for the second time by our very own Lucy Gornall. Want to do your own introduction? Now nah, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lucy was actually the person that invited Gail onto the podcast. We actually had Gail on the panel yesterday and Tuesday as well for the launch of the Female Balance product. And I was actually very, very intrigued about all things female health. I think it's fascinating and something that people just don't really know about, especially the men. So I'm kind of glad that I'm getting to know about it because I feel like women really appreciate that. You're going to be like, women are going to fawn over you because you're going to know everything there is to know about female health. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) A crash course. Yeah. But yeah, you're a a recent mum as well. I am a recent mum. And I guess I went through my own fertility struggles and this was during like while I was studying and I I think that's really where it stemmed from that I wanted to specialize in this area because I didn't know my cycle at all 
I was on the pill. I came off and I just assumed I'm fit, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm going to get my cycles back straight away and I'll get pregnant straight away. And I never dreamed that it would take me, you know, so many years and so much self-education later and lots of bad experiences through our healthcare system. As great as it is, it was a long, long process and it's challenging and, and stressful. So yeah, that kind of really inspired me and empowered me to get more knowledge and then pass that knowledge on to other women that might be struggling or in a similar position. What are the most like common misconceptions you find with women's health? Because when I was growing up, it was just kind of the the norm. It was just like you reach a certain age and then it's just like, oh, they just go on the pill. Yeah. And then when I actually found out what the pill was and what it did, I thought, well, it's no chance I'm taking that. Because yeah. I was talking to someone about it yesterday and I said to them, I was like, oh, if it, it should be the other way around. Like, because is it true that women can only get pregnant two days of the month, roughly? It's, there's there's approximately five days that you can get pregnant. Your egg as a woman is only viable for 24 hours. So you ovulate and it lives for 24 hours. And if it's not fertilized in that 24 hours, it dies. But a male sperm can live for five days. So troopers yeah <laughs> but the environment has to be right <laughs> so there's lots of factors obviously the quality of semen sperm uh, is a factor the environment within a woman so cervical mucus in a woman your endometrial lining like lots and lots of things can play an impact on it but technically the sperm can be there ready waiting when you ovulate so they say there's like a five-day window but for, for us women we've got 24 hours and then our egg withers away oh, I so i was going to say with the environment how how can you impact that as a woman how can you make that more hospitable yes absolutely if if you are someone who's very stressed living like a very stressful lifestyle, eating a diet high in refined sugars and simple carbs, fried foods, things like that that are very pro-inflammation that can have a, a huge impact. And also for women, particularly when trying to conceive, are kind of without going like, you know, really into detail, but our vaginal discharge is like a massive indicator in our fertility. And around the time you ovulate, you really want it to be, they say like egg white. So it's, it's, you know, like clear and, and sticky. Yummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the perfect condition that you want the sperm to swim in. Your discharge changes. It does. Before. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that women are embarrassed about and they don't really know the different phases it mm. goes through and it's perfectly natural yeah. and it's something I talk about on a regular basis with my clients because it's so important. Can we go through the phases? Yes. This was one of the things that when I was a PT I had a very kind of small understanding of what it was and then I tried to speak to my female clients about it and I felt very intrusive yeah and at the time this was probably like six seven years ago maybe more and I felt like it wasn't really widely accepted. Now I feel like it's a bit more accepted, but I had a very kind of small understanding. And I think for the men listening to this, who probably, a lot of them probably have no clue about yeah. these different things and maybe even some women, can we go into some depth about the different stages of the cycle and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, of course. I think as well, it's, it's worth noting that a lot of women don't actually 
know fully understand the phases of their cycle so yeah there's four there's four stages first stage is menstruation which is basically your period and that can last anything from kind of three days up to seven days and it can be heavy it can be light it really varies from person to person Um, And the second phase is the follicular phase, which lasts from day one. So the first day of your period up until the day you ovulate. And within this kind of chunk of time, estrogen is the the key hormone um, that's elevated. And it's under the influence of FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone, which basically stimulates lots of immature follicles within your ovary um, and we tend to have about five to 20 per month um, and one of them will go on to mature and that will be the egg that you ovulate. Typically we only ovulate once, one egg per cycle. Some people do ovulate more but generally it's just one and then we go into ovulation itself. This happens around day 14 but again very individual depending on the person and ovulation stimulates this 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 growing rise in estrogen then stimulates your hypothalamus and pituitary gland to secrete another hormone called luteinizing hormone and this basically makes your egg burst through the ovary which is ovulation and the the little sac it was kind of growing in then stays on the surface of your ovaries and starts pumping out progesterone so that then takes you into your luteal phase where progesterone is a lot more dominant and estrogen kind of dips off and this kind of flow in hormones also preps your endometrial lining for pregnancy so it makes it thicker and if you don't get pregnant, the progesterone, the egg will die. The corpus luteum, which is the sac that, that the egg was growing in, also dies and the progesterone rapidly drops off and that causes you to have a cycle again. Mm-hmm. And then you're back at day one. And at what stage? I know you said earlier it's like maybe two to four days that you could get pregnant. Where does that sit in so that time? So typically you're looking, if you were trying for a baby, you'd want to be having sex around ovulation day. So what you want, like a lot of women will be like, I'm ovulating, we need to go and have sex. Actually, the best time to have sex is one to two days before you ovulate because like I said, sperm can live for five days. So it's there ready and waiting for the egg when it pops out. I know on the panel on Tuesday and yesterday, we actually touched on how when you ovulate, it's meant to be when you look your best, when you're kind of secreting this, I don't know, you're attracting males, say, because I guess, like you said, we want to recreate, like procreate and make more humans. That's technically... Um, human nature yeah it's human nature is is there truth behind this yeah there is and and it's all to do with kind of the the different hormones that are fluctuating at the time obviously around ovulation you do have this peak in testosterone which is our real sex hormone you know men have a lot more testosterone and that's kind of the time that women are at their peak and it is also you know there, there there are less studies to kind of back up this whole you smell better you smell more alluring to men um but it would make sense because as we've seen in in nature and in animals they are generally more attractive to males when they are fertile that's fascinating so that's if it's all working healthily and all in good fashion but i hear this a lot of people that say that they have irregular periods or don't have a period at all so one what does that mean like if it's irregular or something like that and two what can they do to fix it or get back onto like a normal cycle or if they don't have it at all 
Why is that? And what can they do? So there are lots of factors that can can feed into that. But for sure, if your cycles are very irregular or you don't have a cycle at all, it, it is kind of a red flag and it is something that should be taken seriously. And um, we often refer to our cycle as the fifth vital sign. And it, it is an indication of your overall health. So it definitely should be taken seriously. Looking at factors that might affect that, there are multiple. It could be um, hormone imbalance. So you could have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, your pituitary gland and thyroid might be working suboptimally. And therefore, they're not quite working on this feedback system that they should be to be triggering the right hormones at the right time. Um, It could be something like high stress, over exercise, which are big ones that people people think oh, I'm being really healthy, I'm working out, but actually you can do too much of that. A, a diet that's very high in those inflammatory foods that I mentioned before. Um, so there are there are lots and lots of things. Um, it could be an underlying medical condition such as endometriosis or PCOS or fibroids, um, and these are all things that that can be discussed with your GP. And they're, they're actually really good at, at doing basic hormonal panels that will look at all of these levels of hormones um, and look at your thyroid. And, and you can start to dig a little bit deeper and find out what it is exactly that that's going wrong. Um, and from there, you can obviously address it the best way possible. Mm-hmm. So what, if someone came to you, a female came to you and they said, I don't have a period. Yeah what would be the first thing that you would do or recommend them to do? Well, I'd, I'd be for sure looking at their lifestyle. I'd, I'd be looking at their BMI and body uh, um, weight to see if they're underweight because that's a really common one for not having a menstrual cycle at all. I'd be looking at if they've been on the pill recently and just come off because that can have a huge impact on your cycles and it can take months to years to get to get your cycle back to normal after being on the pill for a long period of time I'd be looking at their work-life balance and stress and I'd be looking at any supplements they're taking um, and definitely be looking to implement supplements into their routine there's a lot of great supplements that can help with irregular slash no cycles and also I would suggest working alongside a GP just to rule out any underlying conditions medical conditions you just touched on the pill there. Yeah. So I was under the impression that that's, that's one thing, it's just the pill and people yeah. go on the pill. But apparently it's like an umbrella term for loads of different types there of pills. There are lots of different, yeah. That, am I correct in thinking that? And they all have their different side effects yeah. or like ways of doing things. Yeah, exactly. Like my, one of my previous girlfriends, I think she went on different types of pill when we were together and it was honestly the person that she was on that pill was different each time. It was It was bizarre. Can you go into some details about the different types of pills and there are some benefits. Am I right in thinking there are some benefits to it? There are absolutely some benefits. I think the pill does get a bad rep. And for me, as, as someone who works naturopathically, I, the pill is very much used as kind of like a plaster that covers over a wound or, you know, we don't, it's a quick fix solution particularly in young women who are maybe suffering from something like PCOS, um, it's or, or very heavy, painful periods. It's you go on the pill and the thing with the pill is it kind of suppresses your natural rhythm of, of this negative feedback system of all your hormones. And it, it does make you very regular and it makes you have a bleed, but it's not a true period. So when you come off the pill, chances are you're, going to have the same issue you had when you went on the pill. 
the only issue now is it's 10 years later, you're maybe thinking of having a baby and it's like, oh crap, now I have to get to the bottom of, the, of, of this issue. What do you mean about not a regular period? It's almost like, a, how do I best describe it? It's a fake bleed. Mm. So where I kind of said you have this natural elevation of estrogen and then and then that rapidly drops and you get the progesterone. And, and when your egg and this corpus luteum, which is what the egg grows in, when they're not, when that's not fertilized, it will naturally die. And that drop in progesterone makes your endometrial lining shed. Mm -hmm. With the pill, you don't get any of that process. You're just getting a synthetic bleed almost. Yes, your body is bleeding, but it's not a natural cycle. Mm -hmm. So when you come off the pill, your hormones are all over the place and it takes a lot of work to get it back into that natural rhythm so from like a from an outside perspective everything looks like it's yeah. going fine yeah but then you don't understand you can't see your hormones so exactly realistically there's probably not things and a going lot of women will right. come to me and be like oh you know i have completely regular periods on the pill i don't know what's going on i've come off it and and now it's all over the place and that's because one your hormones are probably out of whack but two the pill also massively depletes your body of really vital nutrients all of your b vitamins get get really really hit magnesium is a big one and zinc and they're all such crucial nutrients needed for your your cycles fertility um ovulation like everything cycle related thyroid health um so you come off it and your body's taking a massive hit um, and, and very probably depleted. So you really have to nurture your body at that point and, and almost reimburse what, what the pill depleted. Mm -hmm. So someone comes to you today and said, I've heard all this information. I've been to the panels. I've listened to some podcasts that you've been on recently. And I'm thinking about coming off the pill. Yeah. What would you say to them? I'd say do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> just go cold turkey. Is that is that what you do? You can't. There's no kind of like half, half on, half off. Obviously, everyone's. I don't want to be completely irresponsible here. Everyone is has has a reason for being on the pill, and if you're, you know, a 16 year old girl, or you know, you have to be sensible and. There are natural ways of tracking your cycle. Um, I use the basal body temperature, which is where you, you measure your temperature every morning and you track it. And, and there's a very clear pattern that you're looking for throughout your cycle, which, you know, you, you, there are, there's so much information out there on, on how to educate yourself, what to look for. And the, when your cycles are regular, there's a very clear dip and rise where you ovulate. So there's a week where you, if you're not trying to get pregnant, you just avoid having sex, but it's not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. You know, the pill is what 99.9% .9 effective at preventing pregnancy. So if that is your main goal, then yeah. of course, that it's a great option for that. But I think it's just being mindful, maybe don't be on it for years and years and years and years, like have some breaks mm -hmm. in between. Like if you're not sexually active and, and you don't have you know, underlying conditions that you're using the pill for pain relief, then, then take a break, mm -hmm. give your body that time to kind of find its natural rhythm um, start re-nourishing with food. And I think it's just about being sensible with it. There are natural ways, but they are, it does, it does require more thought into mm -hmm. it. And you definitely do have to be more careful if you're mm -hmm. trying to avoid pregnancy. Can you grow out of the pill? So I went on the pill at 17 because yeah. my cramps were just 
un- unbelievably yeah. painful. 11 years later, came off it. Um, but the, the last three years of being on the pill, every I was spotting between every period. So probably two weeks of every month I was bleeding. Yeah. So it was just, just ridiculous. Um, Because really only two weeks that, you know, you can wear white comfortably. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you grow out of the pill as well? Can your body change, doesn't it? It's not always going to be suited to you. Yeah, your body does change. and, And a lot of people will respond differently to different types of pills. I know friends of mine have gone on to you know your classic pill like microgynon and they're they're awful they find it they have rage you know it really really like doesn't sit well with them they have like almost depressive symptoms and then your gp might try a progesterone only pill so it's it's definitely finding what works for you um lots of people respond really well to the coil other people just hate it so yeah we are all very very different and our bodies are very different and our hormones fluctuate very differently um my cycle is going to be completely different to your cycle so we are all very individual and i think it's about finding a contraception that works for you what are the types of contraception i know of the coil yeah one of my ex-girlfriends went on that but there's the implant as well there is the implant the implants and the coil, obviously, more long-term solutions. So if you are thinking of having a baby, that they're, they're maybe not the best choices just because they, they have, they're in for, for a lot longer. You've got estrogen-only pills, combined pills, progesterone pills. Like, there's so many. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you have kind of like barrier methods of contraception and and yeah there are I have heard lots of talk around male contraception and and where that's going to go in the future so it'll be interesting to see what comes up and and how men respond to it if they had the option of taking something like you said you wouldn't want to 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 take something necessarily there was that that study that um I think they did on men and it was what was it um, they did a study on the cramps. They did that test where they oh, had yeah. the cramps and some other like PMS symptoms that we go through. And the men were like, "Oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with it." And they they took the pill or something. They didn't remember. And then like I mean, a high percentage of the males were like, "No, I couldn't be bothered with this." <laughs> it's, think, it's a lot. Me. <laughs> it is a faff, isn't it? Like it's, waking, it's it becomes second nature for yeah. your first, If you go on holiday. Okay, have I got enough pills for the yeah. time I'm away? Have I got? And there's always one that other month, thing to think about. You run out of the pill and you're like, oh, I got to go to the doctors. I got to book. Yeah, anyone on you the same team as me? Because you, <laughs> you can't mix the pills. Would you? Would you take the pill, James? Absolutely not. Like, when I found out what it was and it like messes with your hormones, I was like, there's absolutely no chance that I would ever take this. And then I would never expect somebody else to do it. If I wouldn't do it, I don't expect someone else to do it. Yeah. Because I know how powerful hormones can be and if you start messing around with your hormones you open up a can of worms there big time and you probably don't even know what the effects are because you just kind of you can't see them you just have all these different like I don't know weight gain or like change of emotion or like trouble sleeping concentrating so yeah there's absolutely no chance that I would ever even consider it there's this. Um, there's a really good book about the pill and the the different how different you can be as a woman from when you're on the pill to off. And I read that when you come off the pill, your taste in men changes. Oh, really? I know. How That's interesting. interesting. Is that? And all these different things that you disliked and liked yeah. could change because your hormones just the whole pattern changes. I know. There we go. If you're married on the pill, then. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, don't don't fancy this like anymore. <laughs> um, I know for me, like having been on the pill, I went on when I was 16 
or 17 and then maybe had like a period in my 20s where I wasn't on it but for a year and then was on it up until you know early 30s like that is a good chunk of my my life being on the pill and no wonder I came off and it took me over a year to actually even get one period and then they were so irregular it took so much hard work like a lot acupuncture diet supplementation like I really had to put everything like throw everything I knew about nutrition um, and lifestyle into practice Um, and they finally kind of started to get regular but once they did and I was tracking and I knew like what was happening and where I was it's actually really empowering and I just felt so much better like I didn't have things like brain fog and a lack of concentration like I just had so much more energy so yeah there's definitely positives to not being on the pill all these negative like symptoms that I hear about um, girls having their period and the cramps and the the bloating and the brain fog and all this kind of stuff I've only recently found out that that's probably not what should be happening is that just like a a generalization or are people even if their their cycles are healthy and their hormones are in balance they potentially still could get cramps and stuff like that or is it just not supposed to happen at all we're not generally supposed to be having like debilitating symptoms you know if you've got symptoms that interfere with your day-to-day life then the chances are your hormones are a little bit out of whack things like cravings really really heavy cramping you know pain bloating breakouts that's all classic symptoms of hormone dysregulation and a lot of it could just be down to what you're eating. If you've got if you if you've got a diet very high in in sugar, your blood sugar's all over the place, and that can have huge impacts on your hormone health. And it is literally like a roller coaster. You're going from high to low to high to low just throughout the day, and you need to prop yourself up with more sugar. And it just is this vicious cycle. So, in answer to your question, no, we shouldn't be having really crippling PMS every month. It should be a pretty easy uh, part of our life. Of course, you're bleeding and some women do lose quite a lot of blood and that is tiring and it is physically quite exhausting for your body. So so fatigue and, and feeling a little bit, um, having to take things at a bit of a slower pace is, is normal. Um, but yeah, f- for sure, things like cravings and the breakouts and irritability, mood swings, they are things that you shouldn't really be experiencing from month to month. Are there particular ones? So like if you've got cravings, that's normally identifying that your, I don't know, your estrogen's out of balance or if you've got cramps, then it's because this hormone is out of balance or is it not really that well understood yet? Um, not, yeah, there are, there are, there can be, um, so like you said, cravings are a real symptom of potential, potentially not being that sensitive to insulin um, and not metabolizing your insulin very well, which is kind of what, controls your blood sugar levels so in a nutshell insulin is is the hormone that will take sugar from your bloodstream so when you eat something it gets broken down into glucose and it will take it and then store it away in in your cells to be used you know if you sprint for the bus you need extra so it'll pull it back out so insulin is the thing that shuttles all the sugar from your blood into into your body Um, and if you've got 
if you're constantly at a level where your your sugar level, blood sugar is high, then your insulin becomes desensitized to it and it stops working as efficiently. So this can then have a huge knock on with your hormones such as estrogen. Um, And classic things like that is weight gain around your middle and the cravings, constantly wanting more sugar. So yeah, that, that that can definitely have an impact. I forget what you asked me now. Do the particular symptoms identify a particular hormone being out of balance? Yeah, magnesium is another one. Uh, If we're low and deficient in that, it can cause things like muscle spasms, cramping. So it could be that we're potentially haven't got enough magnesium if we're experiencing really, really heavy cramps. Um, It could be things like low omega-3s and anti-inflammatories in our diets. Basically, when we're experiencing high, high, high pain, it's uh, something called prostaglandins in our body, which is is what what is our pain receptors almost. So if these are high and we're not, we don't have the anti-inflammatory foods and nutrients to block these, we can we can experience a lot more pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so for sure, nutrient deficiencies can play directly into things like that. What is actually cramping? Does that sound like a stupid question? Like. No, it's not stupid. Cramping, basically, when when you're on your period, like I said, your endometrial lining goes through phases. When you're on your period, like just after your period, it's very thin because it's just been shed. Um, and as the estrogen rises and you ovulate and the progesterone, like this kind of cycle, it thickens it and makes it the perfect condition for a, an, a fertilized egg to implant into the wall of your uterus. So cramping is when obviously your progesterone drops and your endometrial lining has to shed. And to do that, your muscles have to spasm to, to, to shed the lining. Mm-hmm. So cramping is to do with that. And some people just experience that their muscles almost cramp too much. And it's not that they they have more that they need to get rid of it's just that their muscles cramp too much Mm -hmm. and and they experience a lot of pain from it um so every woman is different some people might say i don't really get menstrual cramps at all other people get it really really badly um and it's all to do with with how your uterus your uterine muscles are responding to the shedding of your endometrial lining i don't want to sound really ignorant with this question but like i've (laughs) experienced cramp in my yeah. muscle, to, like yeah, yeah. in like my hamstrings or like my feet or my hands, something like that. <laughs> is it, does it feel like the same kind of cramp? Like you guys may have experienced cramping like uh, a skeletal muscle. Does it feel like the same kind of cramp? Agonizing. Like when you get a period cramp, it's like you, you just want to get on all fours and cry when it's really bad. And it's more of a like, oh, long, you know, with like a muscle cramp, it's kind of like, oh my God, ow, 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 ow. And then it, and then it passes. You can almost laugh through a muscle cramp, you know, and you're like, hee. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, when I get that, cut that like, one in here and I'm you, like, oh. You know, there's an end point yeah. with a muscle cramp. Yeah. With a stomach, with a period cramp, you just think this could go on for hours. Like, yeah, it could be hours till I'm done. Someone actually wants to describe it to me as like someone has like clipped two points like to either side of your uterus and it's like a bag of rocks, like pull it, like pulling. It's just, it's a very weird sensation to uh, explain. It is, you know how I always explain it to guys. Do you know those belts that, that supposedly give you abs? Oh and yeah, you put them yeah, on yeah, yeah. And you can put it on max, max vibration and it, and it does that every kind of like 30 seconds, you'll get that shake and it really cramps up your stomach. It's like that, but for about five hours. 
<laughs> um, if you've got it bad, obviously, like you say, everyone's different. Yeah. But um, yeah, they are agony. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Which that that then leads to, you know, women taking things like ibuprofen religiously every month. And that in itself is isn't is not great for you. So things like turmeric, ginger, these natural kind of pain relievers are great around mm-hmm. that time when you when you are experiencing. They work in the same way that neurofen does or ibuprofen does, but they don't have these negative effects. If you're constantly taking ibuprofen, it can be really, really detrimental to your gut lining. Whereas, you know, these natural anti-inflammatories can have a similar way, pathway that they block in your pain receptors, but they don't have those negative effects. So that's another really good way of naturally managing pain. Yeah. It's that quick fix mentality mm. that if you're taking a shortcut, yeah. something is probably going to have a knock-on effect to something else, which maybe not wrong, immediately. Like, sometimes you need pain meds, right? But it's if you're relying on them seven days, for that's, if you've got a period that's seven days and you're doing that every single month, you just need to be mindful that this could be having detrimental effects, especially if you're then suffering from IBS, irritable bowel, you know, you're, you're finding you reacting to, to certain foods. If you've got any kind of gut conditions, it's worth, you know, thinking about these wider things that could be impacting it. You spoke about like nourishing your body and you just touched on like natural things like turmeric and stuff like that as well. Is there any specific recommendations? So, you know, you go through these different phases through the month, there's a time when you're bleeding. So therefore you're going to be more fatigued and things like that during different phases of the month yeah. or if people have particular symptoms, are there specific foods that you recommend to counteract or kind of implement at certain stages? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say while you're on your period, you really want to be looking after yourself. Like that's when you're feeling perhaps a bit sorry for yourself, particularly if you are suffering from any of these kind of cramps, heavy periods, like heavy periods suck. So you want to you wanna kind of be eating magnesium rich foods that are going to help with those cramps, avoiding fatty foods, alcohol, caffeine, salty foods. They're all things that are going to make PMS 10 times worse. They're going to add to the water retention. They're going to add to the inflammation. Um, so really that's the time you want to be avoiding. And it's probably the time that you want to eat that stuff the most, which is hard. But I would say try and avoid those things. Also, foods high in B12, if you are having heavy periods, um, you really want to avoid getting something called anemia. Um, So that's if you've got a lot of blood loss and you want to help your body replenish these red blood cells um, and, and foods rich in B12 are great for that. In the follicular phase, it's all kind of about maintaining healthy estrogen levels. So that estrogen dominance that we've touched on can really disrupt our cycles. It can make them irregular, more painful, heavier. It can fuel weight gain, blood blood sugar imbalance, mood swings, all things that we've kind of touched on already. And so we want to help our bodies get rid of any excess estrogen and eating things like cruciferous vegetables, fermented food is really great. It's all things that support our liver to detoxify, um, fiber to help us poop it all out. That's that's how we excrete, excrete waste. So we really need to be eating foods that, without being gross, bulk out our stools and help us eliminate any excess stuff. Things like phytoestrogens, which are foods that mimic estrogen in its compound structure so they bind to our estrogen sites which mean that 
actual estrogen can't and it makes it much easier to excrete so things like um tofu flax seeds and there's lots of natural natural phytoestrogens that we can put into the diet whole grains oily fish and um, reducing things like dairy products that have more estrogen in them uh processed foods and also any environmental toxins people don't really think about it but like bpas from plastic bottles like contain estrogen tap water contains estrogen so avoiding things like that um ovulation you kind of want to focus on more anti-inflammatory foods lots of fruits and vegetables whole grains basically eating a rainbow and as much variety as possible. The luteal phase, I would say you want to minimize the cravings and again, reduce those blood sugar levels. Eating a higher portion of protein and more fiber is going to help with satiety. Um, so you're feeling fuller for longer. You're less likely to cave into just wanting sugar, even though that's what you, you're really going to want, want at that point. Again, eating foods like magnesium that are going to fight fatigue and um, they also help with low libido things that are rich in serotonin that are going to help sleep like you naturally go to sleep again leafy greens are great for that i think the takeaway really is just to eat a very varied diet rich in whole grains fruits vegetables nuts seeds all of the things we kind of know and hydration i know you touched I know you touched yesterday on the Mediterranean diet. Yes. Is that what you'd recommend? I I feel like I always come back to the Mediterranean diet mm -hmm. because we did mention this yesterday. And not only from a nutrition point of view, like they they have they have meat, red meat in in moderation. They have lots and lots of fruits and vegetables, fresh fish. They have things like wine, but it's a glass of wine with their family. Like they sit down as a family for dinner and they have a community. So it's not just about what you eat. It's also about your lifestyle. And it all has such a, such a huge impact. And I would say that the Mediterranean diet, in terms of clinical research, is the one that time and time again comes up as the most beneficial. There's a reason that there are really old people in the Mediterranean, you know? They're doing something right. <laughs> so that's like the nutrition side of things. And yeah. so one thing, the reason I ever spoke to my clients about this kind of thing is because I know it affects your training. Yes. We touched on it yesterday. I think Jenny Tong mentioned about there's a high risk of injury at a certain period yeah, of uh, your progesterone is high. Kind of stuff. Yeah. So can we touch on that and maybe give some people some training recommendations of things to do, things yeah. not to do? I mean, it's worth noting, I am not a personal trainer, but for my clients, I would say like, obviously when you've got your period, some people might might feel like they've got heaps and heaps of energy. Other people might be struggling with those kind of PMS symptoms. So I say be easy on yourself, like maybe choose some lighter, uh, you know, just movement at that point if you can. Movement is great. And if you feel like you've got energy, then then fantastic. But I think just be kind to yourself and, and give yourself some time off if that's what your body requires. During your follicular phase, you're still, your energy is still kind of on the lower side, but you're definitely picking up energy. So you, you can do like light runs, more kind of dynamic yoga. Maybe you don't have enough energy, and it's particularly straight after your period for that, those hip workouts. But as you go move closer towards ovulation, that's when your energy is really going to 
pick up and peak. And that's where you want to be doing your running, your hit, all, all of the kind of more high intensity stuff. And then as you move back into your luteal phase, when your, your hormones start to dip, I'd say maybe, again, more dynamic Pilates, yoga, and, and, and I would say that's where the strength workout would come in. But everyone is different and, and everyone has different peaks and troughs throughout their cycle. So I think it's really getting to know your own cycle and knowing when you've got more energy, when you've got less energy and just being kind on yourself and not giving yourself a hard time. And, and, and if you know you feel rubbish, don't put too much on yourself. Don't expect yourself to be going smashing PBs and, or going to you know, that in, in t- insane hit class because you're, you're actually, it's detrimental. What would you say to someone who say they had a race planned or a competition and it's smack bang in the period, they know they're going to have no energy, they're going to feel like crap, but you know, it's booked in, they can't change the date. What would you say to someone? Again, I would say, depending on how, like whether it's a competitive race or if if it's something, you know, that's just more for fun, obviously if it's competitive, then you want to be at your best and you want to perform at your best. For me, I guess it always comes back to your lifestyle and nutrition. Like that's what I do and that's what I really believe and promote. So I would say getting enough sleep, making sure that you are eating foods that are going to nourish your body and give you the energy, whether that's eating something more complex carbs that are are more slow releasing, they're going to sustain you for longer. What I would say is, even though it's tempting, I would avoid things like caffeine and pre-workouts and, you know, quick releasing sugar because they're going to make those symptoms of PMS so much worse. Yes, they're probably going to give you an initial burst of energy, but in the long run, they're not actually going to be beneficial. And then the, I guess the the icing on the cake, the cherry on top is the, the supplements. Obviously, if you've got yeah. all these things in place, yeah. the supplements only kind of reinforce all these things. So that's obviously something that Pure Sport have brought out very recently yeah. this, this week. And it's been really, really interesting learning from the girls in the office, particularly Chelsea, talking about she used to take all these different supplements and take a bit of this in the morning, a bit of this with food, this one without food, this one before you go to bed and all this kind of stuff. So obviously they've created this one product that you could just take. What kind of supplements could you recommend? But obviously the Pure Sport one. it's completely true there are and I think supplements in general the supplements industry it's a minefield to the regular person you know you might read something in a magazine or on a blog post and you're like oh I've heard that this nutrient's great I'm going to go out and buy it but you you don't really understand things like the bioavailability of that, how good the quality is of the nutrient, like what form it's in. And you can get so many rubbish supplements that you're essentially just taking a really expensive wee because they just go straight through Mm -hmm. because they're not the, the form that your body can convert easily into the nutrient it needs. So it's taking into consideration things like that. And I think that's where pure sport are really great. Obviously it's, it's scientifically backed and and you look at nutrients that have been clinically proven to help with these symptoms and they're in a really bio bioavailable form, which means that they're a lot more effective. So I guess if we kind of take a look at some of the nutrients and I can explain a bit more about why they're beneficial. Yeah, let's go into some depth. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm genuinely interested. I love this kind of stuff. Um, so the first one is Chaseberry, which also is known as Vitex. This one has 
got quite a few studies. It's really, really great for people that are suffering from irregular cycles. I actually took this as a supplement on its own when I was trying to get my period back. So, you know, we mentioned earlier what to do when you don't have a cycle. This is a, a herb that has been used it's you know it's been used for centuries to help regulate cycles and one of the way it does that is via something called flavonoids which are really good at de decreasing a hormone called prolactin um, and this regulates the balance between estrogen and progesterone um, so it raises progesterone and, and lowers estrogen and that in itself is just really great for regulating irregular irregular cycles reducing bloating it's been been known to lower breast pain um headaches so it has a whole host of, of benefits mm -hmm. moving on to ashwagandha this is an adaptogen obviously you you guys use it in quite a few of your supplements so you know it's amazing benefits it's this one's been been shown to reduce stress anxiety um lower food cravings it can strengthen our endocrine and nervous system and it can lower the production of cortisol which can have a direct impact on things like progesterone levels um so another great one not only for our mood um and our nervous system but also for some of those symptoms of pms magnesium i kind of touched on a little bit um like i said there's, there's a pretty high chance if you suffer from pms that you could be deficient in magnesium and they generally magnesium does dip just before your cycle so it's a really good one within a supplement. It's great for relaxing muscles, which we touched on, um, and easing those uterine spasms and cramping. It can lower those prostaglandins that I, that I spoke about, which are our pain receptors and inflammatory compounds that drive our sense of pain. And large quantities of magnesium are needed for energy production. So just, you know, everything we do from picking up a cup to running a marathon, you need magnesium for that. Um, so a really great one. Turmeric and ginger, both potent antioxidants. These help with liver detoxification pathways. So it can help with that uh, removal of excess hormones. It's also anti-inflammatory. And like I said before, it can lower our pain threshold um, the same way that pain meds can, but without those negative side effects. Omega-3 can reduce our insulin sensitivity. So around those cravings, it can help stabilize our blood sugar. It regulates our hormone profile by lowering those sex hormones. And it can also act as a painkiller through its anti-inflammatory mechanisms. Um, and then B6 is involved in the production of our neurotransmitters, which play a big role in our mood. So it can help with irritability, anxiety, anger, teariness, that lack of concentration we spoke about. And it can stabilize those hormonal fluctuations and improve regular cycles and the craving and the painful uh, periods. So that's a really good one, mainly around mood. Zinc is also a, an amazing nutrient and one I don't think gets enough of the spotlight, I guess, when it comes to, to, to menstrual health. Um, it's a great nutrient for breakouts if you suffer from oily skin around your period, breast tenderness, it improves the function of our thyroid um, and promotes ovulation. So again, really crucial in keeping our cycles regular. Mm -hmm. So I think all in all, you can kind of see the benefits of each of those individual mm -hmm. nutrients. So combined bit of a powerhouse and what kind of like time frame we're we looking at because i know like i've spoken to people before and they said oh they've come off the pill and it took them eight months a year yeah. before they've had their period and then i think people just expect things like there and then like when we launched the mushroom product recently people were like oh can i try it 
And I was like, well, why are you trying in there? Like, I want to see if I like feel an effect. And yeah, it's the like kind of, it's, yeah, it's the kind of thing that it's not something you feel. And someone explained it to me the other day and they said, well, do you take an Omega-3 to feel the benefit from it? But something like this, I think people can see the symptoms, maybe a bit of a relief from the symptoms. Yeah. But realistically, how long would someone take a supplement like this to start seeing some sort of benefits? I'd say again, very, very individual. It depends. Like someone who's been on the pill for 20 years is going to be pretty nutrient deficient mm -hmm. across the board. And so it would take a couple of months before those stores start to build up again and you actually start feeling, you know, good in good health. Someone who's only been on the pill a few months and, and gets their period back straight away, perhaps not as depleted, and um, so might feel benefits sooner. I would say because of the anti-inflammatory kind of components like the turmeric, ginger, omega-3, they are natural pain relief. So I would expect if you're taking them around the time that you get those cramps, you would you're probably going to feel benefits. Mm -hmm straight away, like not the day you take it, but you know, if you've been taking it throughout the month and it comes to your period, I would expect that, that you would feel um, mm -hmm. slight relief in, in the pain front. But I would say generally, if you are quite deplete in nutrients and your diet's not great, maybe it will take a bit longer to see those, those um, benefits. So up to three months, I would say. Interesting. And someone said to me the other day about, uh, can you take this, this supplement while you're on the pill? Would you recommend that? Would you not recommend that? Is it kind of they're going against each other or? I mean, as far as I'm aware, looking at the ingredients, I I don't think there's anything kind of that would interfere with the pill. Mm -hmm. And with all medication, you, you kind of need to just check drug nutrient interact, interactions. I think it's worth 100% while you're on the pill being mindful of this depletion and things like your B vitamins, magnesium, zinc. So whether that's through your diet or through supplementation, that, that there's no harm in boosting those stores because 100% they're going to be getting depleted. And that's especially true if you're living, you know, a crazy lifestyle and you're not perhaps eating the best diet. There's been an awful lot of information in this. <laughs> I think I'll have to listen to it again just to, yeah, honestly, like it's so intriguing and so interesting just learning about this kind of stuff. But if someone was to listen to this podcast, yeah. top three takeaways, number one, number two, number three, if someone was listening to this and said, I need to sort myself out, I'm not feeling particularly well, I'm not 100%, what are your top three things that you would recommend for someone to implement to make themselves feel better? I guess I will go with my go-tos that just work time and time and time again. Like you can't go wrong, even if they don't solve every one of your issues there's no way you can implement them without feeling better so one is look at your nutrition making sure that you are eating a variety lots of color lots of different grains whole grains and as if you can stick to a whole food as much as possible and by that I mean a food that's in its natural state and it hasn't been processed which I know is is hard like not everyone has time to to meal prep and stuff like that but where possible if you can try and get more fruits and veg so aiming for at least 10 portions of fruit and veg per day and the variety and stick into that Mediterranean kind of way of thinking then that would be my my tip number one Number two would be uh, hydration. People overlook 
the, pa- the, the actual power of drinking water per day mm-hmm. and how life-changing it is. Not only is it going to make your head feel clearer, you're going to be excreting all the excess uh, toxins from your body because you're going to be going to the toilet more and it nourishes all your body's cells. Like your, your, your body needs water to survive and you can't function on like a cup of water and by that, I don't mean like coffee and teas do add to your water intake, but I mean two liters of water, filtered water per day. Um, and then my third one would be look at your your work life. So things like stress, sleep, how much time you're spending on your phone, going through Instagram, scrolling, like build actual relationships, you know, go for dinners with your friends, make sure you've got a great sleep routine in place, like you're not on your phone just before you go to bed implementing some kind of mindful practice i'm not everyone's into meditation or journaling and i get that like i also find it really hard but just going for a walk like being in nature uh, going to play tennis with a friend like if that's your release then make sure you're implementing that into into your daily life Mm -hmm. so nutrition water and work life work you know anxiety sleep balance simple stuff simple stuff world-class basics yeah i have a question before we finish and it might be a bit of a tmi ending but (laughs) you've been talking about excretion a lot and eating fiber and getting rid of the estrogen i know me and my friends talk about this all the time um so is this why period poop is a thing period poop is to do with the progesterone okay um if you ever have a baby (laughs) basically near your period or on your period you just go a lot so progesterone (laughs) yeah it's like a natural whatever your normal is you could probably double it which is you know if you're going a few times a day say then double that's quite quite a lot (laughs) it's just a touch So when when you're in your luteal phase and your progesterone is higher, that kind of slows down your bowel a little bit. And yeah, if you ever get pregnant, it's like a whole world of constipation because your progesterone stays high for nine months. So yeah, you're in the luteal phase and you've got more progesterone. So things slow down. So when that suddenly drops, right, you kind you of you go, yeah, okay, because um, it's and, almost a release, yeah. Mm. <laughs> everything's just leaving your and body it is legit a thing Blood, period the love. <laughs> are, are a thing it's it's a lovely experience and on that note <laughs> leaving on a high yeah i don't know why you're trying to like gross me out this it's the most natural thing in the world and i just don't i think you should i think it's healthy to talk about this kind of stuff i love a good poo conversation <laughs> it's not my first topic of conversation i tell you what your poo tells a lot about your health. So people should be looking at their poo more. Oh, and so does your period blood, right? Yes. Yeah. The brighter, the better? The brighter, the better. Obviously, you don't want like big clots. But I'm naturally, towards the beginning of your period, it will be, you know, a bit murkier and towards the end. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like my word, murkier. <laughs> but it's more kind of discolored mm. it's darker um and then obviously as it gets heavier it, may, it might get a bit deeper but you don't want it to be super dark or you don't want to have huge amount of clots and then obviously the the flow of it so how heavy as well can be an indicator of of so interesting yeah how does the color of your period blood yeah. can indicate something well i've been 
fascinated today. <laughs> I've actually had a really good time. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, where can people find you? So people listen to this podcast and they're like, right, I want to work with Gail because she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I have just set up Baked Fertility. So it's uh, baked underscore fertility on Instagram. You can also contact me. I work at a nutrition clinic called The Natural Balance, um, which is just a natural balance on Instagram. So you can get me via either of those two. Perfect. Anything to say, Lucy? Anything before we leave? Um, Gail, I think you're fantastic. And you've taught me so much more just in the past few weeks of chatting to you and getting to know you. So thank you, honestly. Thanks for having me. Inspiration. Oh. Perfect. Thanks very much for coming in. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. Perfect. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed and we'll catch you next time.